Hello there and welcome to Women Prayer Group podcast. It's a pleasure having you all listen um here again. My name is Ruth Akintunde. So the intro music says secret place. It says I'm running to the secret place. So why is it called the secret place? <laughs> These days when you you tell people or oh, when anybody listens to the song and since it's a religious song they just assume that maybe you're going to pray or you're just going to um, the church or you're going to see God's face. And then why is it a secret place when they already know where you're going? <laughs> so staying in God's presence is like an open secret. It's like gold that people know where to find it, but something just keeps them away from going to find it. It's like an open secret. Many people know about God and his son Jesus and all the wonderful things that he gives us. Salvation, joy, healing, peace, grace, and success. And so many other great things. Eternal life and joy on earth. And then the grace to be with him after we leave this world. And he took on himself our punishment. And so we do not have to go to hell to pay for our sins anymore. So one would think that this opportunity will be grabbed by everyone. But on the contrary, just a few. It's open in that many people know about Jesus. But it's a secret because the hearts of many have been blinded and kept back from going for it. Last week we talked about um, walls that prevent the knowledge of God and that our mission as Christians is to demolish these walls. I pray that the heart of many will be open to know God's will and to know his salvation and that people would allow Jesus to save them from their sins and then eventually give them eternal life when they leave this world. Also last week we had the feedback about about Martha and the contributor was saying that in Martha's case what actually distracted Martha was that she was busy cooking for Jesus. So she was actually even doing activities that to benefit the service of Jesus. It could be activities in church, activities in that concerns the church that distracts you away from really growing spiritually, maybe organizing camps and boot camps and organizing ceremonies and anniversaries and you're on this committee on that committee and you don't have time to listen to what Jesus has to say. It's good to be involved, but you have to watch it. Let it not be at the expense of your personal fellowship with God. Today we'll be talking about Proverbs 31, and I'm very excited because God is taking us on a very different route this time. Um, Proverbs 31 we're going to read it shortly. And it's so surprising that it actually talks about 
both the noble man and the noble woman. It talks both about the virtuous man and the virtuous woman. Um, but these days, everybody focuses on the verses 10 to, 20, to 31, which talks about the noble woman. People rarely talk about the qualities of a noble man found in Proverbs 31, 1 to 10. So um, we're going to read it shortly. And you you'd actually see that God talks about the man and the woman in all his instructions. He gives instructions for everyone and nobody's left out. Verse 1 says, The saints of King Lemuel and inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answers to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprived deprive all the oppressed of their rights let beer be for those who are perishing wine for those who are in anguish let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery more speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute speak up and judge fairly defend the rights of the poor and needy so the reading is actually from 1 to 9. Verse 3 says, Do not spend your strength on women or vigor on those who ruin kings. So we can see in from history that the a very large percent of men, mighty men that are falling, have fallen as a result of women. For example, Samson fell as a result of Delilah. Solomon was distracted and worshipped idols, the gods of his wives, the strange gods of his wives. And David was fell into um, sin with Bathsheba. So strange women ruined kings. As a man, do not spend your strength on this women so verses 1 to 9 outlines how a godly man should lead his life don't drink wine or beer except if you are perishing or a hopeless person according to the bible the bible says wine is for hopeless people you should be a noble man should be a noble man. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Noble men speak for the rights of all who are destitute. No partiality. You judge fairly. You defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So that's the role of a man. That's the godly role that God has given the man. And if you are a woman and you take on this role, that's not your job. You have a whole lot of duty in verses 10 to 31. 
um, the Bible is complete, as I said before. God cannot give instructions to the woman and not give to the man. And take time to um, note the brevity of the man's role. He was referred to as a king, and his roles are shortly described but powerful. And these roles influence what careers a man should take on in life and how a man should conduct himself in his home by being faithful to his wife in his dealings with people, verse 5, in his responsibility to the society, not breaking the rules and ending up in jail, don't drink and forget what the law says, don't be high on something and break the law, Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So, as you as a man read these verses, God will expose secrets be between the lines for you to follow and perform your role as a godly man. Now on to the woman. We're going to read a very long text from verses 10 to 31. And let's start now. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and a lamb doesn't go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gates, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptful, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her 
for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is a very interesting text and it sounds like a poem. It has a lot of very, very high, hard tasks to do, but let's see how God is going to help us dissect it. So, what does noble character mean? This is a character that is more than rubies or gold. Um, and everything we've just read describes somebody of a noble character according to the standards of the Bible. Verse 10b, that's the second sentence, says that she is worth far more than rubies. And verse 11 says, A husband or the husband that marries such a woman can never again say, I'm poor or I lack money. Because having that kind of woman at home is like having gold or billions of dollars. According to verse 11, it says that if they ask him, okay, for example, if he is asked, are you a rich man? Or how much wealth do you have? He'll be like, oh, let me count my wealth. One, um, I have a noble wife. He might stop there because that's like enough wealth. Or he might also add, uh, maybe I also have a million dollars in the bank. Yeah, but the noble wife is worth more than gold or more than billion dollars. Trust me, <laughs> according to the Bible. So verse 11 says that a husband has full confidence in her and having her around, he lacks nothing of value. She's all the value he would ever need. She's that kind of wealth that brings him good and not harm all the days of our life. That's what um, Proverbs 31 verse 12 says. So if you remember a verse... To be precise, Proverbs 10, 22, let's read it. It says that, um, verse 22 says, The blessings of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Okay, the, verse, the version I know says, The blessings of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow. So, since the blessings of the Lord make it rich and added no sorrow to it. That means any blessing that, give, that God gives you, you won't cry because of it. If God gives you a car, you won't have an accident and you'll be like, oh, this car, why did God give me this car? And that's like a sorrow you incur from having the car. So when God blesses you, that blessing doesn't give you, um, make you sorrowful. So, a noble wife is that kind of blessing. It blesses you, She blesses you and adds no sorrow to your life. So, verse 12 says, She brings him good and not harm all the days of our life. So, how can you get this kind of blessing that brings you good and not harm all the days of your life? Is it from hard work? Nope. 
Nowadays, people attribute their success to hard work. At least this kind of wealth cannot be attributed to hard work, thank God. The Bible says this blessing is from God. God blesses you with a godly or noble wife, and she adds no sorrow to your life. So who is this woman? We've seen her worth. She she worths more than a billion dollars. She worths more than gold and rubies. So what are the characteristics of this woman? Verse 13 says she selects wool and flax. So we are not all in the textile business or textile industry, but we see wool and flax as resources and tools you use to do your circular job. So she works, okay? In fact, she works with eager hands. She's hardworking. Hmm. So she's like the merchant ship bringing her food from afar. What kind of food do you get afar of? Some women will just wake up with their hair nets on their head and their night dresses and just jump into their cars and just get Mac McDonald's for their children or just get fast food from some very close by um, restaurant and put it in their kids' bags and zip it up and just send them to school. But this is not how this woman is. She buys a food, quality food in wholesale. She cooks them for her family and then they eat and feel fine. She buys good food. She buys varieties. You find good food in the market, in um, in the stores. So she goes up to the stores, the food market, farmer's market, and gets her food. And not just getting the food from a back door or just a restaurant or fast food. No, she brings her food from afar. So she is also an entrepreneur. So she could be an entrepreneur that has female servants and people under her. So she feeds them and pays her workers. The Bible um, specifies that she uses the workers and then she pays the workers. So she, she makes sure she pays her employees. So that is another quality of a noble woman. So 13 says she could be working while um, 15 to 16 says she could be an entrepreneur. And verse 15 says that she wakes up early in the morning while it's still night. That means she starts a day early. She considers a field and buys it. S 16 says she, she buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. The Bible took the time to and space to tell us how she got the money she used to start a business from her earnings. So that means she works. And before she started her business, she once worked and she earned money. And she saved to actually start up a new business and buy a vineyard 
So that means she doesn't spend all she has on clothes and and she doesn't spend recklessly. She spends wisely. And note one thing, she did not borrow the money. Mm-hmm. She did not borrow the money. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, The borrower is the slave to the lender. I pray God help us all. So she plants a vineyard. She and her employees. She works vigorously. Verse 17 says, Her arms are strong for her tasks. So what does this mean? Her arms are strong for her tasks. It means that the career she chose was one she was skillful at. Think about it. If I don't have hairstyling skills and I go into hair salon business, it will be a disaster, you know, because my arms are not strong or skilled for such a task. So it simply means she does what she knows how to do best and she does it with all her strength. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says that whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might. So we can see that all scripture is given by God's inspiration and they do not contradict each other. They actually complement each other. So whatever task or career you choose, your arms should be strong for such a task. But 18 to 19 says, she makes sure that her trading is profitable. I mean, she knows when to buy or when to sell. She's smart, actually. She's very smart. Okay, so 20 says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Hmm. Now, let's think about it. Let God help us here. She might be opening her hands to the poor, maybe physically poor, financially poor, or even spiritually poor and needy people. This kind of woman is sensitive to the needs of poor and needy people. If it's physical um, needs, if it's physical things they are in need of, uh, clothes or food, or they are in need of salvation, she would preach to them. If they are in need of prayers, she would pray for them. She's kind to them. Let's read Jude, 20, um, Jude 22 to 25. It just has one verse. So just Jude 22 to 25. Using the Living Bible Translation. It says... Try to help those who argue against you. Be merciful to those who doubt. That's doubt your faith. Save some by snatching them as from the very flames of hell itself. And as for you, help them to find the Lord by being kind to them. But be careful that you yourself aren't pulled along into their sins. Hate Every trace of their sin while being merciful to them as sinners. So this woman tries to meet the needs of the poor people. 
the spiritually poor by preaching to them, being kind to them, opening our arms to them in order to win them for Christ. Verse 21 to 22, verses 21 to 22 says, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Hmm. She makes coverings for her bed and she's clothed in fine linen and purple. So she's homely. She's a homemaker. She's organized. And she's prepared for every season, whether it's the hamatan, the winter, the summer, spring. She's well prepared. In verse 23, God is trying to show us something very important. He says that a husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 7, the Bible says the wife is the glory of the husband. The woman is the glory of the man. So if you have a good um, wife, it's going to show because she's a she's your glory. If you have the wife that is the opposite of the Proverbs 31 woman, it's going to show if she fights with the neighbors and she makes trouble in the kids' school, she's always causing chaos in the PTA meeting. <laughs> it's going to show. Verses 24 to 25 says that she has foresight. See, she plans ahead of time. She can laugh at the days to come because she's already planned about planned it out. When I was in my <laughs> my late teens, I I asked my mom how I was gonna become a good mother. So what happened was that I was going up to college. I was going up to college, and my mom assisted me in packing my bags and. She already got what she felt I would need for college. Even things I had forgotten were necessary. And she did that for my brothers as well. She knew when to change our wardrobe, when to change our way of dressing at each stage of our lives. And she always packed everything up. Like when I'm like, oh my God, my toothbrush. And she's like, it's in the bag. I'm like, really? God, how am I going to be like this? I don't remember anything. She'll smile and she'll be like, no, you, you, you'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. You'll get used to it. That is it. You are inbuilt. It's inbuilt. It's part of you. You have the gift to do that. You have the resources in you as a woman to actually do that. And when you come to God, God will... um show you how to hone those resources he has given to you, how to God expose those treasures he has put in you. Verse 26 says, She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on our tongue. Hmm. This makes me understand that the nurturing of the next generation, the next generation depend on you. Whether you plan to have children or not, um, your duty is to teach both your biological children and younger women like your sisters, your niece, your cousins, the children around you by your lifestyle, what you say, 
what you do and the decisions you make. Titus chapter 2 verse 3 to 4 says, Teach the older women to be quiet and respectful in everything they do. They must not go around speaking evil of others and must not be heavy drinkers, but they should be teachers of goodness. These older women must train the younger women to live quietly to love their husbands and children. Your children or siblings watch you just by looking at you. They can copy the way you speak, the way you react and behave to people around you, how you clean up your home, how you keep your home tidy, how you make your bed, keep your clothes clean to avoid illness. Uh, women have more time or according to the word of God, women are to have more time with the kids in a normal setting so that they have a greater influence. What is this normal setting? Uh, we see in Proverbs 31 verse 27, it says, She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness have to watch over the affairs of your household this means that whatever career you take on you have to plan it such a way that you still know what's going on with your children their health what they're, they watch on internet what they watch on tv what their peers are trying to influence them with you have to know everything about your household so this influences the kind of career path you take on so this topic was discussed in a women prayer group meeting that took place on the 8th of September from 8 to 9 a.m. And we had a lot of interesting questions come up about this kind of woman, this Proverbs 31 woman. We also saw um, an excerpt from the Huffington Post, which featured uh, a woman, a feminist, trying to say something about what she believes in the summary of what she was trying to say was that um if you re reject or refuse the theory of feminism that means you're scared of change and you're scared of and maybe you're a man that is scared of the woman trying to um be equal to you and what she 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 her argument was from the point of view where she said she said some sen sentences like um, the answer is that the patriarchal ideals of past generations have descended onto us. Children today are still being indoctrinated with old concepts of gender roles, with girls' toys, focused around children rearing and kitchen duties, and boys' toys focused around more masculine tasks, such as building and fighting, like uh, toy soldiers and superheroes so what she said is that we should be teaching our children that it doesn't matter whether you're male or female or other or other period so she said we need to stop thinking of people in regards to their gender we need to stop associating people with a certain level of power over other people just because they were born with us with certain genitals so let me stop here. I guess we have a picture of where she's coming from. So she's a feminist and she's saying that people are people and a man can actually, if you're a male, you can actually 
play a woman's role and if you're a woman you can play a man's role and there should be nothing like the concept of toy um princess castles girls playing with princess castles and guys playing with um um fighting toys and then a girl can be um should be um free to play with the fighting toys while the male should be free to play with the princess castle yeah that's the kind of world um the devil is trying to um introduce to us right now uh i'm saying the devil because it's the opposite of god the opposite of god's order and so anything that's the opposite of god is the devil so uh god made this rose as we saw during our meeting for a purpose in proverbs 31 as we've been seeing from the beginning one to nine was about who the man should be and what he should be faithful to his wife avoid drinks avoid alcohol and during the meeting we had a we had like a, an input from one of our sisters and she said that um she said um god is not forcing you not to drink alcohol god is not forcing you to drop your beer god is just trying to say if you want to be that king that man that he has created you to be if you want if you want to be that person that will not um that would um give justice that will judge fairly and defend the rights of the poor and needy, then avoid alcohol because it will um, influence your judgment. And so she um, advised that. Also, we we saw that men are to be faithful to their wives and they shouldn't spend their time, time on women um, or mistresses that ruin kings. And then the role of a woman is so long and we have been actually made for this role and we should know that we are even very important because our role is so so crucial so long so so many um things attached to it we are we are in charge of everything in the home that's a very important role and we were built and designed for it for this um i wrote here that the bible wants us to be subject um sub submit to the man and not to be subject to the man submission is not being under subjugation subjugation is is the action of bringing someone or something under domin domination or control um submission is different submission is two people are trying to decide on something and they have opposite ideas but they they put their ideas on the table and one person has to consider the person the other person's idea and make a decision just one person has to make that make that decision but he has to consider the other person's idea. If we leave two people to make the decision, no decision is going to be made. Especially if they have terribly conflicting um, ideas. Two people cannot drive a car. One could be watching out for the safety of the driver while the, while the driver is driving. But two people cannot be the, the one on the steering wheel. You yourself know that. So you cannot say that... Um, you cannot say... Um, two people in the house should struggle for the steering wheel. God, God wants to avoid the a situation where you don't know who to drive, and then He gave the man first. The man has a say, makes the decision considering his wife's opinion. The woman has to submit to the final decision of the husband, and then she has very um huge um power to actually influence that decision. That's how the Christian home should be. The woman should be able to have a great say in the final decision being made by the husband. 
I pray God gives us more wisdom as we go on. Um, although I would like to say that at work, if a man han- has the same role as a woman and they put in equal work, submission at home does not become unequal pay at work. That is wrong. That's just wrong. The world got it wrong by taking advantage of the woman's submission and making them second class in everything. And so feminism rose up to rebel against subjugation. And in the process of rebelling against subjugation, they also rebelled against submission. So when your wife submits to you as a man, don't take advantage of that and make it subjugation or subjecting her to whatever and then putting it on her face and telling her, submit to me, submit to me. No, you have to do it in love and you get good results. I pray that God will help us. Rounding off, let me just read um, verse 29. 29 says, many women do noble things. I'm reading from Proverbs 31 verse 29. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. What does this mean? The, the Bible has been telling us about noble women doing noble things from verse 10. And now in 29, it says, in fact, many women can do this 10 to 29. These things are listed in 10 to 29. But you, this particular woman I'm talking about, still surpasses them all because of something I'm about to mention. And in 30, it says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That means that worldly women could do all those things. Wake up in the morning, have a business, um, be, be a successful woman at home and at work. But you have to have the fear of the Lord to your life. You have to fear the Lord according to the standards of the Bible. Fear the Lord. And then you qualify as a Proverbs 31 woman. After doing all these things from verses 10 to 29, add the fear of the Lord to it. And then you are to be praised. And everybody will honor you in 31. Everybody will honor you for all your hands have done. And your work will bring you praise at the gates. God bless you for listening today. I really appreciate you staying till this time. And we'll come your way again in two weeks. Um, Stay blessed.